greetings or announcements, let's uh, all bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks. We give you honor, glory, and praise. You are so good to us. You are our Father. We are your children. And you want to give good gifts to your children, especially for those that ask thee for the Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that many more will do so, that your word will go forth, the glad tidings of, good, uh, of joy and peace. Father, we pray that your name would be glorified and lifted up this day throughout the land, throughout the world, that may, many more may come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as not only a baby in a manger or a myth, but the saviour of the world that came to this world to die for us on the cross of Calvary for our sins. Be with us, speak to our hearts, be with those that cannot be with us, those that are sick, shut in, um, enter through closed doors as you did to your disciples when you were here. Speak to them words of comfort and strength and give them healing for those that need it. We pray especially for Brother Edwin who's lying again in a hospital bed with an infection. We pray for all those throughout this world that we've been praying for many, many years. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will touch them, will comfort them and, and lift them up. Be with us this morning, open our hearts, give words to the servants that will speak this day. Uh, give us the words to speak that comes from you, from your wisdom and not from man's wisdom. For we pray and ask these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. I was um, led to read from a chapter that is very familiar that we've sung about uh, this Christmas season that was played on the uh, by the orchestra, I believe. I would like to, with the Lord's help, to turn to Isaiah chapter 40. It may not have been played, but it was mentioned, I'm sure. Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, <clears throat> and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is as grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as of the flower of the field. 
The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion, thou that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out the heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and his hills in a balance? Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor hath taught him with whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding behold the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as small of small dust of the balance behold he taketh up the isles as a very little thing and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering all nations before him as as nothing and they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity to whom then will ye liken God or what likeness will ye compare with him? The workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over <clears throat> with gold and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the, that up, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, the stock shall not be, shall not take root in the earth. And he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take 
take them away as stubble. To whom shall ye liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up thine eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, and bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. <clears throat> there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have <clears throat> to, to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall fail, shall faint. And be weary, and the young man shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. I've read the entire chapter, and may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's kneel before the Lord to pray. <clears throat> oh Lord God in heaven, as we bow before thee, the unseen God, as, as a physical token of respect, dear Father, we pray that all of us would be bowing in our hearts. All of us would have been moved and touched and prodded by these words that we've read, these timeless words, words that were written at a particular point in time hundreds and thousands of years ago, but words that are timeless, that are from the Holy One himself. Oh, Lord God, who are we? We look around us and we look at the nations, the great and powerful nations and the wars that are going on and all the conflicts and we ourselves feel small, but this scripture says that those nations are as nothing, that they are just as small dust in the balance, as a drop in the bucket. Dear Father, and all power and all glory, all might belongs to thee. And this is simply declared through these words, simply declared to those that will believe it, those that will walk by faith. Oh, Lord God, we do indeed bow. We bow in gratitude and thanks. We bow to worship this morning for a holy, righteous God, perfect, who's vast beyond comprehension, and yet speaks comfort to us speaks comfortably to us, speaks softly, speaks with such tenderness, moves in such a way to care for his young, his, his tender one, his lambs. Oh, Lord God, that we can know such a God only through faith, 
not through knowledge, uh, through learning and through attaining great things or traveling to great heights, but just through the hearing of thy word and believing it and, and, and through the speaking of thy Holy Spirit in our hearts that we can experience this, what we were meant for, this purpose of life. Lord God, we thank thee for this timeless word this morning. We thank thee for its ability to speak to us, to provide what we need. Lord God, help us to have open ears. Help us to be attentive, to realize that this is a word not just to hear and, 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 and listen to while we're in these benches and then walk away and forget about, but a word that is to be hid in our hearts, a word that is to be uh, thought and pondered on, is, is, that is to affect change in us. Lord God, help us to hear this word this morning in that way, with sincerity, with humility, and, and not uh, forgetfulness and fogginess. Lord Jesus, we thank thee that we now, though the, the, the one who physically penned these words or, or spoke them to a scribe thousands of years ago did not see, we now see clearly the intent and purpose of these words in, in Jesus Christ and, and is now being revealed to us and what glory we have in not only in the baby in the manger, but the man who lived and walked and experienced all the things that we experience and, and, and shed the tears that we shed and, and the pains and even more so, and then gave his life. We now, we know this whole story of the gospel and we look forward with anticipation to one day when it will be fulfilled in its fullness. Lord Jesus, we thank thee for that, that we stand now where we do in history. Lord, help us to be diligent and to be fervent and, and, and busy in thy, in thy work. Help us to examine ourselves and, and, and labor for that kingdom that is coming, the kingdom that is now already in our hearts. Lord Jesus, we thank thee for this congregation here, and we pray a blessing on each one that's gathered here. Dear Father, and at the same time as we do this, we pray for a drawing of thy spirit, a closer unity, a, a more perfect bond of peace and love, and a gathering of those that are straying, those that have wandered from this fold. We pray that they would be called back, that they would not be given a rest until they are safe in thy care and thy keeping. Whether that is here or whether that is somewhere else, dear Father, we pray that they would seek the, the, the pasture that is green, the pasture that is under the command and the, and the leading of the Good Shepherd. Lord Jesus, we pray for our uh, dear members that are suffering now with infirmity. We, we're mindful of Brother Edwin and his infection. We're mindful of uh, the aged Sister Christine. We pray for her. Pray for all those that need thy special touch and thy, thy healing. And Lord, we pray for wisdom for each one and for grace for each one to, to be exercised in caring for each other. Help us to do that too in fulfillment of thy word. We pray for those that are not our, our brothers and sisters and yet are suffering from this flesh. We are mindful of Sister Raditz's brother. Pray for him too, dear Father, that thou wouldst be with him and heal him and speak to him at this moment if he does not know thee and call him to thyself, as we do pray for her husband, Basile, too. Lord Jesus, we pray these things in weakness, but knowing we are praying to a, a 
powerful God who is beyond our imagining, who just delights to hear these prayers, who delights to fulfill, who has reserves and stores beyond what we can imagine. Dear Father, we pray these things to Thee in expectation, looking to Thee now to fulfill and to satisfy the deepest part of us, the part that goes beyond our emotions, that goes beyond even our our mental understanding, but to the depths of our soul that makes us complete. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear ones, we come together at this special time, not because Jesus was born in December necessarily. The whole world almost is somehow come to a a pause. Even at work, when I go onto my Teams and I'm logging into Bruce Power to see what's going on there in the middle of running up another turbine generator, because that's a big, big, big event after a big modification, the changes that have been made, and it's, it, there's no chat. There's no chat. They stop in the middle of all their construction and commissioning. I would follow things to see how things are going. It's, it's, it's stopped. And you would think that this time of the year is a time of peace. It's meant to be remembered as such. Where the world stands still. Before it was far more noticed perhaps in 50 years ago than I can remember. But yet... Is it peace? Is it a silent night for everyone? Is it a silent night for us? Yesterday, I, I talked with... Uh, Ryan has a, a friend who's a chaplain in Petawawa. Petawawa is a town east of, well, it would be west, east of, uh, west of Ottawa, between Deep River and Ottawa. I used to work there for four months, training 40-something years ago in Deep River. But there's a naval, or should I say an army base in Petawawa. And he's a chaplain to many of the soldiers, the, the army that are there. And He'd come up with many stories, without names, in the past. Some of the stories that are coming out from people that are counselling with him. And I asked him, how's it going? How's it, what, what, what have you been learning from your counselling? since the last time we talked 
basically more of the same. But I said, what's the biggest problem? What's the biggest problem that you're faced with when they counsel with you? Anyone want to venture a guess? What is the biggest problem? Rhetorical question. You know what it is? Loneliness. The biggest problem is loneliness. So I did a bit of research yesterday. Before I get to the research, basically a huge percentage, I'm not sure how many people are lonely on this planet, 30% or more. But I said, what's the, what do you attribute that? What do you, you gather from all this information that you've received? What is the reason for loneliness? And he gave me three Fs. Family, friends, and faith. When a person doesn't have faith, he has no hope or less hope. And when a person doesn't have family, he has even less hope. And when a person doesn't have any friends, he gets to the point where, as some have done, it's taken their lives. And Christmas is supposed to be all about family, isn't it? It's all about supposed to be about slowing down, taking your time, spending time with family and with your friends and in the church. And when you don't have any of those, what hope is there? These people are in serving in the armed forces. And what are they doing? They're expecting the next mission they go out, to be away from home, to be away from family, to be in predicaments that are violent, that result in violence and death. And any time they could be taken to anywhere on the globe and start dealing with other problems and difficulties. And this world, as much as they have reared military forces for the sake of keeping peace, has never been successful in maintaining peace for perhaps one day of the year. Not even one day. There's been perpetual war, perpetual conflict, perpetual strife throughout this world. The book of Isaiah speaks about two major captivities. The captivities of the nation of Israel, the ten, if you will, if I can just say, northern tribes that were taken captive by the Assyrians, by Sennacherib. As a matter of fact, the previous chapter talked about Hezekiah, the king that was in in rain 
that showed the Babylonians all his treasures in the temple, the good godly king, and what he had to go through. I believe it was Sennacherib that came through and plundered and looted and took away those ten tribes. And from there you had the nation of, if you will, the Samaritans formed. They intermarried with the, the pagans, with the remainder of the Jews that were there. They became a hybrid nation that just re removed every other scripture except for the Pentateuch, the first five books of Moses. And they had this strange religion. In the very next chapter, chapter 40, comes a completely different message. A message that one would think, why is God now bringing this message in chapter 40? We have to understand that the, the book of Isaiah was written over something like four or five kings. If you go to the first chapter... He talks about the kings, I believe, that, that Isaiah um, was ministering of. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah. There's the, first, the second captivity and Jerusalem. And in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So he spanned a lot of years. Some people believe it was between 740 and, and 680 BC. But he prophesied hundreds of years in advance that the Assyrians would come, which occurred around about 700 BC. And then that the Babylonians would come, which occurred around about 586 BC. And take away the people of God. The people of God. And they were looted and plundered. And there was war. And God allowed this to happen for a reason. Because Israel had, had, had spiraled into uh, idolatry. And Judah neglected the laws of God and went on their own uh, um, willpower when God told them to rest the land, to have rest the land in order to bring it more fruitful, the seven years, and they would continue working. They would continue to work the land because they didn't trust God. They trusted on their own abilities and power and strength and if you read in the book of Chronicles, that is the reason God took them away to, to, to Babylon. Now it appears that this chapter 40, remember this is a vision or prophecies that Isaiah had. And Babylon didn't occur during his time. But he prophesied that this would happen. But he also prophesied that when they were there, God would remember them. And God told the nation of Judah now, not Israel, they're gone. Despite all their sin, 
Despite all their rebellion and disobedience, out of all the bad news came good news. This is the this is revealing the heart of God. This is revealing the heart of God. That despite their wickedness and their rebellion, God says to them, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. This is God speaking. This is this is not somebody else. This is God speaking directly to, to Isaiah through a vision or whatever it was that came to him. And he said, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her. Her warfare is accomplished. There's no more war. Do you remember? For those that were here, I don't know how many people were here back in the 60s and 70s, Vietnam. I remember it. I wasn't that old, but I remember Vietnam. I had friends whose brothers went to Vietnam and they came back traumatized with all the violence and the bloodshed and a war that never seemed to end. They had PTSD, they couldn't function properly. God didn't intend men to do that. God didn't intend to, to kill and to hate each other. This is what happened. And the songs were all about war, anti-war. And so this is Christmas. We wish you a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. What, what did they long for when there was so much war and bloodshed? We hope it's a good one without any fears. God has offered this to the world and the world rejected his offer. But they said, no, we'll do it our way. And despite him being rejected, he says, comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people. Ask your God, saith your God, speak comfortably to Jerusalem. They knew they were where, why they were in Babylon. They knew they were there. Finally, after 40 years of preaching, just before it happened, Jeremiah preached in the, in, in, in the uh, book of Jeremiah, warning them. He was like the, the CNN reporter in Jerusalem when they, the, the hordes came in and they were plundering the city. And he was still telling them, repent. You're saying, peace, peace, peace. There is no peace, saith God. There is no peace. There is no peace to the wicked, Isaiah says. Because you've rejected his counsel. You've rejected his warnings. Because you think you knew better. How is, what is the heart of God? Jesus had to tell the heart of God to the, to the Jews of his time in Luke chapter 15. When they said, look at this man. He's eating and drinking with sinners and publicans. What kind of a man of God is this? And Jesus had to tell them the, the parable of the prodigal son. 
three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the parable of the prodigal son. So they could identify maybe even closer, got closer and closer and closer to the human heart. But more so, not to the human heart, but more so to the heart of God. Who is this God that you serve? What do you make of this God? Then you are condemning these publicans, these sinners. Do you know who your God is? We saw and read about who God is in this, in this chapter. Do you know who I am? That's what he's saying to the people of Judah. Do you know who I am? Do you know what my heart is like? In the, as a matter of fact, in the book of Jeremiah chapter 31... After all the warnings coming towards the end of the book, this is what God tells the nation of Judah, verse 36. If these ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. How many times did God warn Israel, Judah? He says, you've committed adultery right before me and I divorced you. But I'm taking you back. I'm going against my own word to Moses. I will take you back. But then he said, thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth can be searched out beneath I will also cast off the seed of Israel. If heavens above can be searched, if you can figure it out, it's the only way I will cast off Israel. Can you do that? No. Can you search out the universe? Can you search out the heavens? Can you search out? He said, no. Then I won't cast Israel away. That's what he's saying in Isaiah chapter 40. He's saying, speak comfortably. Encourage Judah. They know they've been under severe punishment. They know they've been under my judgment. They feel the wrath that I had against Israel. But I will take her back. And that's what happened. After 400 years, this came this voice. There came this voice of one crying in the wilderness. Who was that voice? I know we've heard this before, but I want to bring these things together for those that have not. The book of Malachi was the last prophet that we know of that wrote 
prophetic words that were given to us. He says in chapter 3, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. He shall sit as a refiner and purify of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi, the priests, first. And he goes on in the last chapter says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be a stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves from the soul. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be as ashes under thy soles of the feet. In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of the Moses, my servant, which I com commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And we know that this was John the Baptist. Jesus himself uh, explicitly said that to the disciples in Matthew 17 when they were coming down from the mountain. So how come the scriptures say that John the Baptist, Elijah must first come? And Jesus said, Elijah, because they met him up in the mountain, right? Moses and Elijah, the mountain transfiguration. He said, Elijah indeed shall come, as was prophesied. And they did, or has already come, and they did unto him whatever they wanted. Herod cut his head off. They took the prophet of God, the last Old Testament prophet, and he was murdered. And it was this John the Baptist that was the herald that said, make straight the paths of the Lord. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain shall be brought down low and prepare ye the way of the Lord. He was saying, the Messiah is coming. This is their hope. This is why you need to be comforted. This is why you need to be, to be ensured and encouraged to keep going forward. Because God will forgive your sins. God will forgive your sins. He said here that her iniquity is pardoned, verse uh, 2 of chapter 40, that her iniquity is pardoned for she hath received double for all her sins. God, despite Israel's unfaithfulness, despite Israel's rebellion, said, I'll take you back. But it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me everything. It's going to cost me my son. He's the messenger. 
of the covenant. He is the one that's going to bring about this whole ability to forgive us and pardon us for our sins, which are doubled. I'm coming back now to the initial introduction about why do we not have peace? At Christmas or at any time of the year. Why is it so? When John the Baptist was supposed to turn their hearts to their fathers, to the children, and the children to their fathers, I'll tell you one reason. The main reason, of course, is sin. That's the main reason. Men will continue to live in sin, thinking that by living in sin, they will obtain life's ultimate pleasures and they will have a fulfilled and satisfying life. But instead, they do the opposite, like Israel did. They do the opposite. What else came out of the conversation was why the children go astray. Why do we have broken homes? You remember, perhaps 15 years ago, 20 years ago, we reached out to those in low-income housings in Pelham Park. We saw what the children were going through there. Alcoholic fathers, drug abusing mothers. Nowhere to go. And the spiral of sin continues. I read an article yesterday. What were the, what's the reason? And we know it's sin. The root of it is sin. It's man's pride and sin that causes his demise and downfall. But I read an article about what are the things that make people, make children become addicted to alcohol and drugs. What are they? There were six reasons given by this 
clinical psychologist. One of them was appeal. There's an appeal to it. It's attractive when it's advertised, when they see it. It's in the movies. It's in, it's in the, what this world is, is pumping out to us, the sewer of media and movies. And, and the kids see it and they see, wow, these guys are having fun. Wow, these guys are partying. What a life. And so they think that they're going to get fulfillment out of their dull, boring life at home and go out and do it and party. Christmas time is a party time for many. New Year's is a party time for many. And they get into the scene and they get hooked and they get people to groom them to to sell their wares. And then become addicted. Perhaps many are like that because they haven't received the nurture, the discipline. The truth about what true fulfillment and a life abundant is all about. So they go out. Another one is to experiment, curiosity. Hmm. I want to feel it for myself. I won't get hooked. I just want to try it, just to taste it. But what's another one? It's all to do with family. It is escaping the trauma of being in a family that is not at peace, that is constant arguing, that is constant conflict in the family. So they will, they will look for peace elsewhere and they go and find it with friends who are influential. That's another one. They want to be accepted by them. If they're not accepted by their families, at least they'll be accepted by their friends. And when they get in with that group and it's the wrong group, then they get taken away also. And they're destroyed. There are many others perhaps. But beloved, you see, it wasn't meant to be that way. It wasn't meant to be that way. God did not mean for man to fall into sin. God knew that man would fall into sin. But even though he falls into sin, even though he goes far, far away from God. It says it's here for those that are far off. Let me read to you another chapter in Isaiah. Isaiah 57, 4, thus saith the Lord, verse 15, thus saith the high and lofty one, that inhabiteth eternity, 
whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, neither will I always be wroth. For the spirit should fail before me and the souls which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth, and I smote him. I hid me and was wroth. I, I, I was silent. I stayed away. And he went on and frowardly in the way of his heart. When a person decides to reject the truth of God, the counsel of God, God says, I will stay away. I'll let you do what you want to do. But not forever. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of lips. Peace, peace to him that is afar off, to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea, which it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. What's he saying? There will never be peace to the wicked. God does not bless that. But to those that are of a contrite and humble heart, those that realize, those like that were in Babylon and realize that they've been punished for their sins, how can we, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? They knew that they were in a strange land. They knew they were captive for their sins. But when they realized that and came back, God received them. If you can't search out the universe or the depths of the earth, God says, who can do that? If no one can do that, then I will take you back. In other words, he will take you back. If you repent, if you come and realize the error of your way, if you realize that God has meant from the beginning to give salvation to men through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lord God, verse 10, will come with strong hand and his arms shall rule him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work with him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. This brings me to tears. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He loves the lambs. They're his. They're the flock of his pasture. We are his, chi- we are his children too. He's speaking to, to the nation of Israel. But he's also speaking to anyone that wants to come back, that re- are repentant for their sins, that confess their sins and say, I have been wrong. That justify God, as Romans 3 says. And David says, when he was caught in sin, that you may be justified in all your sayings. 
But you told me that not to go that way, and I did. And when I did, I fell. And when I fell, I came back to you, and you took me back in. And he shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Many of us think, well, God's, God can't forgive my sin. God will never forgive. I've sinned too much. That's, a, that's a, one of the Things that keep people back from God. I'm not worthy. I've sinned too much and God's not going to take me back. And in verse 12 he says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in the scales and in the hills? Who is that powerful, that mighty, awesome. Do you know who I am? With whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him the knowledge who can instruct God? That's exactly what Paul said to the Romans in chapter 11. How marvelous are his works and his ways past finding out. We don't know how gracious and how magnanimous our God is if we think that God can't forgive our sins. Peace. I remember the song that was sung many years at camp. I bring it up a few times. When Brother Edmund led it, it was, um, it is finished. It is finished. And he talked about the battles between the demons and, the, and God. The big battle in, in, in cosmic places, if you will. In high places, the battles that are going on up there in the fight for men's souls. And then there, he, he narrowed it down and focused it down into, into the hymn, In my heart. The battle is still raging. Brothers and sisters, do we have it in our hearts? Do we even think about it? When people are not here, when people that we know are not here, and they're on the fields of sin, do we even think about it? that we would even pray for them or that would give them a phone call and say, hey, I missed you. I missed you. It's not enough just to think, I, that, that's what I believe. It's not enough just to think, oh, they know where the church is. They should be here. Too blind to know. Of course, it's only God that can open their hearts. 
But are we doing something like Jesus said, the shepherd, when he sees a one sheep has gone astray and he goes off and he leaves a 99 behind and he goes and finds it. And when he finds it, it's just like Isaiah 40 says, he puts it up on his shoulders and he comes home rejoicing that the lost sheep has been found. This is the real story of Christmas. This is the real story of why Jesus came to this earth. And as I was contemplating this, when people think that this is a time to party and this is a time to go out and have fun and this is a time to revel, I think of I thought of this verse, I didn't know where it was, but I looked it up yesterday. In Ecclesiastes, the one, the book that was written in the contemplation of life, of how vain life is, how full of vanity it is. People do things so vainly for no, no return spiritual return without purpose this is what he says in Ecclesiastes 4 and again I considered the travail and every right work that for this a man is envied of his neighbour this also is vanity and a vexation of the spirit The fool foldeth his hands together and eateth his own flesh. Better is a handful with quietness that both hands, than both hands with travail and vexation of the spirit. Do you know what he's saying here? It's better to eat your bread in quiet. It's better to be satisfied with the simple things of life, the necessities of life, than to go out there to think you're not fulfilled and you start meddling with things that bring you trouble and vanity and you spiral down into further and further difficulties in your life. He says it's like a fool eating his own flesh. Do we take time in quietness? Not thinking what my neighbor's doing. That's the context here, what my neighbor's doing. Oh, he's got it better than me. He's got a much more fun. Or look at him. He's got money. He's got this. He's got that. But I want to get that too. And you go out there and you destroy yourself. He says, better be, eat your bread in quietness. Think about the things of God. Think about what God wants you to do. It was the night that was supposed to be quiet, according to our songs, that Jesus was born. And if, if what happened 
then was not left alone by the devil. There was no quiet after a while. Herod went and killed how many hundreds, thousands of children under the age of two. It's called the slaughter of the innocents. And you look at Bethlehem today and you look at Jerusalem today and you look at Israel today. How many innocents have been slaughtered because of the evil in men's hearts? Seek peace and ensue it. Seek it with God. He's got glad tidings of great joy for you because the Messiah has come to still your heart and give you peace. To him be the glory evermore. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful to be in your house of worship this, this morning here, especially on this eve of uh, the day we celebrate your son's birth. Lord, please bless this message that we've heard of um, peace and goodwill, and that we'd be reminded and think about it throughout this week. Um, as we ponder on the, the reason of the season, we pray for those who aren't able to be with us, whether they're uh, elderly or, or sick. We remind of Brother Edwin um, that you would be with them, that encourage them. We also mindful of those who are traveling today to be with family, that you would uh, um, uh, grant them this, uh, traveling mercies as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please find a concluding hymn. I don't have too much to add to the message that was spoken this morning, other than to ask you, having heard it, where do you stand? You know, that Isaiah chapter 40, was it's such a big chapter. There's so many things woven in there, so many memorable lines the nations being as a drop in the bucket and how God just holding everything in his hand. Where do you stand? Does that just pass over you? Does it affect you? Are you going to be on the side of the, those that run to and fro with all the busyness of this season? Or are you going to be on the side of those that humble themselves under this, who realize how great God is, how small they are, and how good God is. I want to be on the side of Mary. You know, that, that magnificat of hers, that song of praise. It has so many, I was looking at it here as Brother Doug was preaching, it has so many parallels to this passage we read. Let me just read it in closing. This is what Mary said after. The angel told her, angel told her the news about a Savior, and then she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and it was confirmed unto her by what Elizabeth said to her, her faith was, was increased, and she said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Do you rejoice in God your Savior this day? For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation.
He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Where do you stand? Are you in the mighty? Are you are of those that are of low degree? He hath filled the hungry with good things. Are you hungry? Are you longing for his things? The rich he hath sent empty away. He hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. God's promises are all going to come truth. He will speak comfort as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. May you be of the children of Abraham this morning, having that faith in Jesus Christ, realizing the, the wonderful blessings, the great God that you, have, that you can serve and, and rejoice in rather than uh, spurning that offer of salvation. With that, we dismiss you uh, and give you God's blessing.